All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm I, I'm doing great, Andy. It is. It's been a little bit longer than we'd like since we last sat down. It's been a very busy time for the two of us. I hope you had a nice Valentine's Day as I did. And, and, and for all the Peyton heads, it's a time to celebrate love and, and the things in your life that you are thankful for and of course there's nothing that we love more than oregon state men's basketball and and i it's i'm we're we're feeling embattled at at this particular time it's been a tough past three games was hoping that we would get a nice extra gift last night for valentine's day it did not come but this is going to be about looking ahead i'm very excited to be in gill saturday with you for what is on schedule the last civil war inside legendary gill coliseum and so we want to bring good vibes to that put this behind us and 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 we're ready to do that i think yeah and i i want to step up here and i want to say we were not late because of how oregon state did in their games it's not at all i want to yeah and we weren't late because of sam i gotta take the full brunt of this um we were late because yeah my schedule has been super busy i went through the gauntlet of super bowl sunday my mom's birthday on Monday, my first Special Olympics basketball game of the season for the team that I run on Tuesday. Which was a huge success. Shout outs to you guys. A huge success. And then um, on Wednesday, of course, Valentine's Day. So sorry about the schedule on that. I know there's a lot of Peyton heads out there eager for our takes, eager for our preview of Arizona State. You know, we would love to give it, but that goes on to me. But we're going to make it up to you because we're going to do a general season update because I know there's probably a lot of fans who – if we're honest, have checked out probably don't exactly Hopefully know. Hopefully, there's going some on. people circling back when they see this this podcast and knowing what game is coming Saturday, a game which you always throw the records out. So welcome back if that's you. That's true. And we'll also be doing a, a deep dive preview of the duck game on Saturday, the last Pac-12 Civil War game. Um, shout out to and all in of Gil. this glory. We'll see it one more time. That's true. In Gil, the last home Civil War game of the Pac-12 for Oregon State. We're going to get into all of it and more, but first, as always, the Oregon State Fight Song. It's like a warm blanket when you're down. It's, it's, it, it's that Valentine's Day embrace all in a in a two-minute song. Yeah, it's everything you could want for and more. Um, okay, so if you're one of the fans who have maybe checked out a little bit in the season or maybe just turned your attention more to the women's team, which is totally understandable with the season they are having currently. We'll get to them at the end here. We'll later, get to yeah. them at the end because there's a definite chance that uh, I go to the game, possibly me and Sam go to the Oregon State-USC game on um, Sunday, but we'll see. But let's talk about the men's team. So this is where Oregon State is currently at. There are six games left in the regular season. Three at home, three away. OSU is 11-14 and 14 overall, 3-11 and 11 in conference with sole possession of last place with their lost Wednesday versus Arizona State. Now, may I quick, quickly interject, does USC have a tiebreaker in that? Or they're a half game ahead. They're a half right, game ahead. They did not play yesterday, excuse mm-hmm. me. So Oregon State in sole possession of 12th place. They are 11-4 and four at home and then 0-7 and on the road. Currently, they are on a five-game losing streak after beating Arizona and Arizona State at home in late January. 
The average margin of defeat in those five games has been 16 points. And they're the only team to not win a road game in conference. Now for a little deep dive on some of the players, um, let's talk a little bit, check in on the sophomores. This was the vaunted freshman class from last year. Um, after the, the dip year with Deshaun Davis, where everything kind of went awry after the promise season run of 2021, this is the sophomore class that kind of Tinkle and the coaching staff have really invested a lot in. They're the future of the program. They're kind of turned into a three-headed monster. It's Jordan Pope averaging 17 points on 45% from the field, 38 from three, and 86% uh, from the free throw line. And he's averaging 3.4 assists with 2.3 turnovers. So solid season for him. Very good. Uh, that shooting numbers are very impressive when you realize how hard he's being defended in games. I want to say that. Then we have Tyler Bilodeau, uh, second in score on the team. He's averaging 13.5 points, 5.5 rebounds on 50, 30, 80 shooting. Uh, Three-point line starting to step out, looking better. And then Michael Rotai, who's averaging 7.7 .7 points and six rebounds, which leads the team on 40% from the field, 26% from three, and 70% uh, from the free throw line. So not shooting it very well, but he is in the top three on the team in every statistical category except for points, which he is fourth. And from the freshmen, the new additions to the team, really the standout uh, who's been the most consistent is Josiah Lake. He's had the seventh most minutes on the team. He's sixth in scoring, first in steals. Um, he's looking to solve. Then you've seen contributions from – Noah Endong and Gavin Mars and a little bit from Thomas uh, Endong. Oh, Thomas Endong. Sorry. <laughs> I always want to call him Noah Endong. Um, and a little bit from Deshaun Craig. Then Dexter Connor to his credit is third on the team in scoring, averaging 10 points a game. That's where Oregon State stands. Those are kind of the main guys. Casey Beckway rounds out the team. He's fourth on the team in scoring. Um, Sam, what are just your general thoughts on the team? Where we stand at this point in the season? What are, what's going on? What's uh, what, what's going to happen moving forward? What's what are your thoughts? You know, I think when you, you you go through the rundown that you just gave us, I think it's obviously the overall record, the conference record, the road record, disappointing at this point. I don't know what you um and and this ties in with the, the statistical goal that I'm I've set for the team. It's a very simple one, but I think when you go through the rundown that you just gave us, which is a very good one. You see a lot of growth. Obviously, the numbers from Pope, Bilodeau, even a Beckway, who has been struggling more as of late. Certainly, these past five games, he's been less impactful in all but one of them. Uh, they, they've, they've made a jump um, from freshman to sophomore year, and even some of the guys whose minutes haven't been as heavy. And uh, you've seen, you know, glimpses from the freshmen like Mars and Endong, who hasn't been playing as much as of late um i think to to oversimplify uh this team needs to figure out a way to score more consistently it's hard to win games when you're in the high 50s low 60s very consistently and and we, you talked about how all their wins have come at home i'll give you a number a very simple bottom line number they uh 66 points they are 11 and 4 when they score 66 or more points, obviously they're 0 and 11 or when they do 11 and three, excuse me. Um, if I'm making it a goal for them to score 70 a game, these final six games, if they, if the Beavers have sc had scored 70 points in every game this year, they would have four extra wins right now. They'd be sitting at 15 wins and those four extra wins would all come in conference play, which when you think about it that way, it's not a huge jump especially for over a six game stretch for them to 
increase their bottom line scoring per game by six or seven points. Yeah, I mean, to do that, well, if you look at the numbers, let's break it down. So you want them to get to 70 points. So Bilodeau and Pope combined for an average of about 30 points a game. So you're asking the rest of the team to come up with 40 points, which if with this roster is probably not going to happen. With I this understand. roster is a little bit difficult just because, you know, you don't have a ton of guys who can get their own shots. Some people, so maybe that's what you're looking for is people to start develop their own kind of attack the basket game. I think you've seen that honestly more from Josiah Lake in the last uh, four to five games, being more aggressive on offense, taking to the rim, making some plays. I mean, he had a play against Washington. I can't remember if it was Washington State or Washington where he drove in behind the back, pump faked, uh, got his man off the floor, and then laid it up for a smooth finish, which was maybe one of the best individual offensive plays we've had all season. So, yeah, I don't know. The 40 extra points is a little bit tough because you don't have a guy creating shots for other people because Pope is, you know, creating his own shot for the most part. Bilodeau's creating his own shot for the most part. Akano is creating a shot for the most part. So you don't have an assist man necessarily that's going to get other people involved. So you're going to need people to individually get their own shots. I think you could get to that number, but it's going to take Casey Beckway being uh, more consistent offensively in the post, getting double-digit scoring. And then you're going to have to get a little bit of a barrage of shooting, a mix of shooting and playmaking from Christian Wright, Josiah Lake, and probably Jaden Stevens, I guess, is the third person. Roshland Maybe Roshland, well. Roshland too, yeah. He was three of six in, in the Arizona State game. You know, yeah, I, in games where they've won that have been impressive, it's been a, a combination of Pope and Bilodeau playing very well, you know, getting their – upping their scoring averages. Like, I think they're at 30 points right now. I think you could easily see Bilodeau – he could climb to, like, 16 points a game. I mean, it's a little late in the season for that. But that's, I think, more of a true representation of, like, the points he's able to give. 13 seems a little bit low to me um, just with his current run. And Pope, if you could see him climb into that 20 uh, range. So, again, both of those guys raising up their scoring. Like, I think that would be huge for the team as well because just – then being able to consistently score, I think, gives the other guys confidence. It gives the offense a little bit more continuity. And, yeah, it just kind of grounds the players, I feel like, if you know there's a place where you can get a bucket. And it, it may feel like an oversimplification. It's not as if they're out-rebounding every team and it just comes down to making shots. But I do think that at the end of the day that they are capable of scoring five to six more points per game without changing a whole lot, whether it's – Pope and Bilodeau coming up with that or someone else. Um, but yes, as you said, when they're at their best, it's Pope and Bilodeau have played very well. And then they've had some double digit performances from Ratai and Akano as well. It's tough to win with only two guys in double figures. And, and those are the two others more often than not that have been able to get there as well. It's just about doing it consistently. Um, yeah, definitely. And I do think there is a path um, for Oregon State if things around, like, I don't think they necessarily, they're not destined to get last place. I think it, USC is not still, is still really within uh, their own rights because the clothing schedule for both teams, uh, it seems to me that Oregon State has not necessarily a much easier closing schedule, but definitely, um, yeah, I, I, I take that back. I would say an easier clo closing schedule for sure because they have Oregon, Stanford, Cal, those are the two and the, games. Mm -hmm. And then USC has, uh, let's see, Utah, Colorado, UCLA, Washington State, the Washington schools. Yeah, so it's a little bit. And then they end with Arizona State and Arizona. 
So yeah, I I, I would take the Beavers. If you're still if you're betting if you're a betting person right now, shout out to Ben if you still listen to this. If you can somehow get a some sort of wager on Oregon State not finishing last in the Pac-12, I don't know where you place that. I would still take that bet because I think there's a good chance they surpass. I think shout out to our man Matty Cox of the Three Man Weave podcast. He took the field for last place in the Pac-12 over the Beavs um, against Jim and Kai on their podcast. Um, to start the year, so there's some there's some energy behind that bet already, and I think that it, and I do think that is a very winnable bet, especially if you look just where the teams are. Because USC only ahead by half game, um, not necessarily maybe again tied by the end of this evening. Yeah, exactly. So totally within uh, the shooting range. So don't back out on that. And then I think also we've talked about this too. Another reason for fans to still stay glued in is that to me this still has. Uh, this is still a team that has the potential. It's not a last place team where the talent is such a giant gap uh, from every other team in the Pac-12 that there's no hope when they get into the Pac-12 tournament. This is a team where Pope and Bilodeau can go toe-to-toe with the two best players on any team, you know, on any given night if they're both on fire. So I think this is still a team that has potential to make Pac-12 tournament noise, make a little bit of a run in the Pac-12 tournament. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with six games left, there's still a ton that can happen. They can climb the standings a ton, but for every team, what no matter where you're at, it's about getting as good as you can at this point before Vegas when you want to be as locked in as possible. We're getting locked in right now for what we've got Saturday coming up, and and, and I hope everyone else is, is staying so as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's run through quickly the last three games. We won't do too much on them because they weren't – that inspiring, but let's just start quickly with what the the closest game. The first one was Washington State sixty four, Oregon State fifty eight. Uh, very close game. Again, uh, Washington State seems to have this ability to just get random role players to rise up to their most extreme when they play Oregon State. Uh, they won. I mean, Miles Rice is a very good player. I think he might be my favorite player. I, I want to double down that he's my favorite player outside of the Beavers in the Pac twelve and maybe the country. Very fun to watch. I think he'll definitely be a lock to win Freshman of the Year. But the story of Washington State's game was Jalen Wells, who hit six straight three-pointers on his way Unbelievable. to a career-high 24 points. I mean, that in a, in a six-point game, to have a role player hit six straight threes, it's reminiscent of the first time they played or uh, Washington State where Oscar Clough goes off for his career high on an unbelievable shooting percentage. Right. I mean, in many ways, this game was was similar to the first one. Obviously, the final score looks very similar. It was just a different role guy for them that went crazy seemingly out of nowhere. It reminded me of the game in Pullman last year when it wasn't one guy, but they hit eight threes in a row as a team in the first half and I think got fouled on two of them or at least one. It was just unbelievable. And we we mentioned Wells briefly. He's having a very nice year, but he hasn't done anything like that to anybody out uh, before – last thursday and washington state very good looking at they are a really good possible uh, ncaa tournament at large bid i don't know their non-conference play i I haven't looked into it too deeply but they're in second place right now in the pac-12 looking like they're rounding form it's a really a hats off job to their coach and to those players because they lost so much talent from a team last year that people thought was closer on the verge you know it's almost a completely different team not completely different because yakimovsky and some of the role players are the same but muhammad gay's gone um who's the transfer to Villanova, uh, 
Bomba, TJ Bomba. TJ yeah, Bomba's guy. Maybe an NBA guy. Yeah, borderline NBA guy. Muhammad Gay is in the NBA. You know, I think, and I don't see the other tall guy who used to look like Muhammad Gay. Yeah, he's gone too. I'm, I'm, his name is escaping. It's Muhammad Gay JD edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a, a big turnover on that team. And they, yeah, they've been impressive. Right. I mean, and it just, a game. Obviously, the closest of the the past three that the Beavers were to winning and had a lot of chances, didn't come up with with big buckets late. And and again, it's hard to score when you're under 60 points, even at home. But should give credit to Yakimovsky as well. Wells was six of eight, three. He was five of nine, so almost as impactful. And so they and Miles Rice is a he's kind of what Oregon State doesn't have right now on the team is he's someone who can create shots for other people. Very good passer, very good at breaking people down on the dribble, very fast, explosive athlete, and has kind of a swagger about him where it's, I don't know, I think he's a good rallying point for teams. Yeah, it was only three of nine for eight points, uh, but six assists. And um, I think most of them, at least in this game, they come on that one-handed wraparound pass that he Mm -hmm. can do. And he hit Wells and Yakimovsky for a lot of those spot up threes. He had a nice one for a drop off for a dunk too on a fast break. Yeah, that was a big play. It just seemed like whenever the Beavers came up with a big basket in the second half and were a st- you know to go up one or to tie it and needed a big stop, that's when Wells and Yakimovsky would hit come up with a big three. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the Washington game. So Oregon State. Played Washington after that, 67, and they lost 67 to 55. Again, both these games were at home. Um, Washington never trailed in the game. Hope had 19 points on 18 shots. Just a game where, you know, Oregon State couldn't really get over the hump to get close and make it interesting while also not necessarily getting blown out. Kind of a weird no man's land. Yeah, I would agree. A very ugly game, a very frustrating game, certainly offensively. It had a Washington hit a couple threes in the opening minutes. It was 10 to three. And then the Beavers went on their only run. It was a six to two run, which does not seem like a lot. But when it takes four minutes to do that or so, because no one's making any shots, it seems a little more helpful. And I remember Billado hit a shot that made it 12 to nine. And the rest of the first half was pretty much a disaster. They Holland hit the back-to-back corner threes he, after yeah, that. He, their shooter went off. He was good. They Washington really didn't even shoot the ball that well, but they made flurries. They had two stretches, I think, where they hit three or four threes, right, almost in a row, and and that was enough to be the difference in the game. And, and on a side note, too, can we please get an Elleridge Rakasner a called game when Oregon State is not playing, playing someone Washington. other than Washington because he only talks about Washington. And granted, they've won both the games, but he's just he's and we love Eldridge. We're going to we get really him on the pod. Do. We're going to check in with him. He's a great one, but just he, you're able to appreciate him so much more if he's not just talking about how good Keon Brooks Jr. is as he gets borderline average call. Uh, not not like he gets all these superstar calls, but I do feel like the refs tend to favor Keon Brooks Jr. And uh, I don't know. Right. It's it, he's so much more enjoyable when it feels like he's on your side. And, you know, and Keon Brooks did have a big game with 23 and nine. But yes, Eldridge was feeling loose. He was recalling times he gave it to Gary Payton back in the day, Yeah, he was. which is, you know, I love when he go, you know, regales because he's had a great career. But when it's all at the expense of your team, it's less fun. And he's such a funny, live, lively guy. You want to like it. But then you're just like, oh, this guy's like essentially making fun of me. I am miserable right now. <laughs> Um, okay, and then the last game taking place on Valentine's Day yesterday, 
at Arizona State. At Oregon State remains winless on the road. They lose 79 to 61. Um, this was a close game. The first half, Beavers played really well, but then second half, Arizona State really kicked it into high gear over a seven-minute stretch. They outscored Oregon State 21 to 2. And that's that's the game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> another very ugly one. Um I, I want to try and focus on the positives as we wrap up the, this, these past three games and get into Oregon and what's going to need to happen for a W Saturday. But, um, you know, I, so I will say that the, the, the takeaway from it was that is the, the most small ball we've seen Coach Tinkle go to. And it was effective at times offensively. Certainly in the second half, they did not get many stops with it. Sean Phillips Jr., who was in foul trouble the first time these teams played, but he was having a lot of fun <laughs> not having a Beckway bumping into him or even Shoal yeah. out there much to to get his hands up in front of him. And he had some some pretty vicious lobs, but very ugly stretches offensively, as you said. They also closed each half looking a lot better. And so hopefully they can carry that over and start a lot stronger than they did. Um, in the opening 10, 11 minutes of, of that game against the Ducks. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, let's move on. Let's move on from it. Let's, yeah, exactly. Forget forget those three games ever happened. All right, Oregon State this weekend is taking on bum, 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 the Ducks. And like, oh, oh. And like I said, the last home game of the Civil War in Pac-12 history. Um, now I, I'm, I'm going to pose this question to you, Andy. I was thinking about this because we, I think we both believe that Coach Altman and Coach Tinkle are pretty genuine about figuring out a way to have these, you know, continue the rivalry. I don't know how likely a return for these guys to go to Gill again without being obligated. Yeah, it's kind of hard hard to picture them coming to Gill. Isn't right, it? a lot more likely Portland or unfortunately their place especially in the immediate future, but we'll see. We'll see. So we just, if you're got a ticket, if you're going to be there, really bring that energy. Yeah. Um, so here's where we stand at in the rivalry, at least recently. So currently OSU is on a five game losing streak to the ducks um, and haven't won since beating the ducks in the 2021 PAC 12 tournament. And they haven't beaten the ducks at home since 2020. So Good three, four year stretch. <laughs> the Peyton Pritchard is a fraud game, if I'm not mistaken. I think I believe so. Um, here's where Oregon currently is as a team. So they're tied for third place in the Pac-12 with UCLA. They're 16 and eight overall, eight and five in conference, with a winning record on road. I think they're four and three on the road. Um, but the wheels are starting to sputter a little bit. In his last three games, Jackson Shellstad, who's their, you know, prized freshman guard who was having a really good December and January, if we're fair. But he's uh, 9 for 33 from the field, 27%, 0 for 11 from three-point range, and averaging seven points. So that's their third leading score and kind of who they're hoping to be their takeover guy. Not going well for him. The Ducks haven't won back-to-back -back games since opening conference play at 5-0. and And I, they are coming off a loss, so I guess that doesn't uh, play too much into us. And then one other note that just happened today, uh, Nate Biddle won't – Play. He's actually, it sounds kind of serious. He's being tested for uh, illness. They won't disclose what tests or anything's happened, but it sounds like he's lost a lot of weight and not able to do much. So I hope he's okay. That does sound uh, very serious. Yeah, it's a team that's had a lot of issues with health just as a whole, and Biddle's been one of the, the biggest cases. And that's, that's scary. We, we hope that's, that's nothing 
too serious with that because they they were supposed to have him and Dante as kind of a twin towers two headed monster, but they both missed a lot of time. Yeah, um, yeah. Oregon's or Oregon's led in scoring. I think you were bringing up Dante by Invalia Dante and uh, Jeremiah Cousinard, who are both averaging uh, just slightly under fifteen points, fourteen point eight, fourteen point nine, whatever you want to call it. Cousinard, you'll remember, was really big in in the the close loss last year at Gill. He's like twenty five now, so they're carrying <laughs> on that tradition of Altman having at least one person legally able to rent a car on his team in the backcourt kind of running things. And Cousinard has a similar body type to Jordan Bell. So they're also carrying on that Oregon yeah. tradition of just having one guy he who looks, looks like he should just be in the NFL. <laughs> right. He's not as tall as Bell. He's, he's a wing, but yeah, similar build for sure. Um, and Valiante is the center who's been there forever. He's only played 10 games, like Sam said. Um, but he's healthy now, correct? Is, yeah, he's healthy now. And he's a very strong, very skilled big body. Probably one of the best centers in the league. You definitely put him in the top three. So that's going to be a tough test for Casey Beckway or a tough test to go small against because he's going to feast. Um, also, uh, is Keyshawn Bartholomew still playing? I can't even keep track of who's still he, playing on that yeah, I, think, he, I believe Keyshawn Bartholomew is still playing. The Colorado transfer. He's still on the team. He's missed some time with in injuries as well. But yeah, he, he's sharing the load with Shellstad at point and is a very quick guy, very streaky. We've seen him a ton. Um, typically, if he misses his first shot. He's one of those guys you expect he's going to miss the next five or six. But also, if he hits his first, it could be very scary. Yeah, he's very streaky. He's prone to turnovers. Um, honestly, I think that plays better in the Oregon State's bag than uh, anything. Dan Altman's really cutting back the rotation, too. Like, they only played eight guys in their loss to Washington State. We're um, seeing a lot of teams do that lately. Yeah, Mookie Cook, one of our favorites, a Portland legend. Uh, he's out, ruled out for the season. So that's a McDonald's All American gone from. That's disappointing for everybody. Yeah, they they. It, I was excited to see what Mookie would do. You know, as a Portland person in his first college year. So we hope he's okay as well. He's only appeared in five games, but because he's been out, we've seen more Bartholomew and also Brendan Rigsby, who we've talked about on this podcast before. Yeah, Brendan Rigsby, who's from Colorado, then went to a JUCO in Florida. Northwest come, Florida Junior College. Mm -hmm, which is very impressive, and then goes all the way back to Oregon. So he's he's a well-traveled man. He's a good player, very tough. The main thing with Oregon is that whenever you play them, because this is what um, Dane Allman is famous for, is he loves to change up defenses. He loves to press. He loves to do different looks at the press and really make you think. That – is going to be the biggest challenge for Oregon State because number one, they're already prone to turnovers. So having which was the, a huge issue in the second half against Arizona State. Yeah, exactly. So having that extra pressure, they've got to be able to handle it. But on the flip side, if you're able to consistently beat the press, that does set up more open jump shots and easier looks for your team, which is something Oregon State desperately needs for their players. Like we talked about their offensive woes before, so it's a double-edged sword. It depends on how they handle that. Another thing I think it's really going to be key is just containing Mbali Dante. He's going to come in looking to feast. He loves playing against Oregon State. He's very strong, either getting him in foul trouble, maybe looking some different zone looks, which is also maybe a little bit difficult because you kind of want this. You don't really want this Oregon team shooting jumpers. You want to kind of play them more man-to-man, -man, force them to kind of attack off the dribble because they do like to do that, but they're not as good as it as previous Oregon teams, and they don't have – 
I would say, quite as dynamic, fast little guards like Dana normally has that make the system work really well. No, those guys have been hurt mostly. I mean, they, Rigsby is very solid, but that's not his game really. And and unfortunately, I do think that that small ball lineup we saw against Arizona State at times last night where it was Billado or even Retai at the five position, that will be useful again, probably not saturday against oregon if dante is feeling good and healthy so you'll you hate to put it all on casey at beckway it doesn't come down to just him but he's gonna have to stay out of foul trouble and manage to be physical and, and productive against dante i can't imagine shoal minutes against dante going well because i feel like he would break shoal in half it would, it would be physically dangerous for shoal the way dante throws his elbows and for a man of that size to elbow like a skinnier man, like but that Casey's got the padding to withstand a couple of Dante elbows. Right. Most other people take one, and that's you're going to go to the, the hospital. The, as you said, like the flip side though is that maybe that if he gives Shoal one, it'll call attention to it and maybe earn him a whistle or two because, right? I, it'll earn the refs kicking him out of the game. <laughs> exactly. He'll get he'll get canceled on well, Twitter. And and I mean that place will if we can get a full gill. They'll be behind Shoal so much if that matchup does occur. But I think it's going to be rocking. There's no way it's not rocking for the last home game. Right. It, it's going to be incredible. And I'm going to call a shot here. Shoal Swat and the Dante put back attempt or something. And it, it's going to be a magical moment. I'll finish my beer if it happens. Twist my arm. You uh, know. I like that. And then another thing we're looking forward to is um, the Jackson Shellstad, Josiah Lake, Oregon High School State Championship game rematch uh, as – Famously, we'll, we'll never stop talking about it. Josiah Lake famously beat Jackson Shellstad in the nationally ranked Westland um, Lions team in the state championship last year. It was named MVP of the state tournament. Took him mano a mano. Uh, Josiah Lake getting a lot of playing time, being one of the better defensive guards on the team. I think you're going to see them play each other one-on-one. It's going to happen look for, for sure. Look for both of them to go at each other and try and make a noise because those guys – have played against each other for years. And, you know, that's an old school Oregon rivalry that you don't get to see on the big stage that much. We, we love Josiah on this podcast, and we've watched him over the course of his freshman year as we've gotten into conference play, go through growing pains at times, but he is also a dog. And you, I'm very confident he's in Coach Tinkle's ear being like, I beat him before in, his big, in the biggest game of his life. I've played against him a lot, and, and then we'll see that, that one-on-one matchup. There's a lot of things – that we like to remind people on this podcast that it's never a bad time to bring up whether you're at a Valentine's dinner with a loved one or at a, at a work gathering or something. And one of them is that Josiah Lake beat Jackson Shellstad in a state championship game. Try not bringing that up while you wait for the bus. Yeah. If it's a friendly face in front of you, how do you not? Um, okay. So uh, we're, I think we're both predicting an Oregon State victory over the Ducks. I think this is where the ship gets right, and I do. I honestly believe that. I think there is going to be an energy very similar to the one that developed during the Arizona game, but it's going to be there from jump. The student section will be electric. I'm sure there's going to be a fun giveaway, something I'll be jealous, you know, like a hat of some kind, perhaps. I don't I don't know. Last year, I think it was those cowboy hats, right? Maybe. I'm not sure. Was that just the football game or was it? I think they did it for the or no, it was like construction hats. It's not important. I don't need to speculate. We'll find out. We'll get that. Shout outs to Marla for 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 giving us these tickets. We're very excited. That's right. Um, yeah. Before we do shout outs, do you want to run by? You said you wrote a duck 
joke. I did. I had some free time today. I want to, yes, it is, has been Andy that's been busy as of late. I've been a little busy too from, you know, here and there. Uh, but I did have some time today to, as, as, as we've talked about briefly before, I dabble in the, the quote, air quotes art of, of stand-up comedy from time to time. Uh, and uh, as does Andy here and there as well, but I, I'm out there a little more. And so I, I thought of this, I'm going to run it by, I think it needs work, Andy, but okay. So, so three, three duck alums, duck basketball fans walk into a bar. Okay. Okay. And the bartender turns to him and says, Hey, I thought I 86 the three of you for being drunk, obnoxious assholes. What, what do you think? Oh, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. <laughs> that's good. I, I like it. You know what? It's it's different with your stage demeanor because you did a podcast voice. And we need your oh, stage right. Well, that's voice. been talked about by clo those close to us off air that I apparently have a podcast voice, which I don't like at all. But anyways, <laughs> yes. No, that was good. I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll try and write a duck joke for uh, our review of the Civil War. Well, game. Please do. You know, it's a, there's it's a fun 80 minute drive from Portland down to, to beautiful Corvallis. So. Um, okay, any shout-outs on our way out of here? Uh, just, just to Marla. I, I gave it away. She is the one who has set us up to be at this game. We're very, very excited to do so. Also, shout-outs Trevor Kramer, the king, as well. Um, oh, the, this is live-time news for you. I'm set up for, for my flight to Vegas. I think it's the same one as you. Oh, if it's not, then then we'll we'll figure it out. But it's it's Tuesday evening as well. Oh, so perfect. And, yeah, yeah, I want to double down your shout-out to Marla. We'll be sitting right behind the bench for the Oregon State Oregon uh, Civil War game, perfect tickets. It's going to be amazing atmosphere. I'm so hyped. Thank you so much, Marla. You're the best. And Sam brought it up earlier, but uh, it did my Special Olympics, my unified basketball team. Uh, we did win. It was the most intense Special Olympics unified basketball game I have personally ever been a part of. It went to overtime, and one of my players, uh, his new nickname is Mr. Game Winner Muhammad, he hit a layup with two seconds left at the buzzer to win. So shout out to uh, my undefeated Special Olympics basketball team. Two years in a row. Let's keep it going. Ride the wave, baby. Ride the wave. We'll channel some of that magic on down to Gil when they're there on Saturday. And you know what? One other thing, and I mean this from the bottom of my toes to the top of my head. We don't. The deepest part of my heart. We don't request you say it with us specifically very often. And I'm doing that right now. Yeah, that's right. No matter if you're listening to this, I don't care where you are. If it has to be quiet, whisper it to yourself. Fine. If it has to be written on a piece of paper, go ahead Please and do, do that. But right now, on the count of three, one, two, three, fuck, fuck the, the ducks. ducks. All right. Go Bees forever. See y'all soon.